Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter for 2024, the first show, God willing, of 52 for 2024. And I once again want to wish you a blessed, blessed 2024, and may uh, your, your days be filled with joy, and may it be prosperous for you, and healthy and happy. And, uh, and I said joy, not happiness. Well, I did say happiness, right? But uh, happiness, the root word of happiness is happenstance. You could have things that are not going exactly the way that you want and still have your heart full of the joy of the Lord. So I just wanted to uh, bring you up to date. Hopefully, God willing, that this show, this episode posts the first week in January as it is intended to be. But Sue Moore, who is my art director and my podcast poster person, her uh, sadly, her brother-in-law, which is her husband's brother, died unexpectedly in Ireland. So just before the new year, when I'm recording this, the Saturday before New Year's, they had to jump on a plane and fly to Ireland for the funeral and for the services and to support his family there. So what Sue had said to me <clears throat> is that she would take her laptop with her and post. I'll send her the show, and uh, and she said she could post it from Ireland, and now it's a wonderful, wonderful offer. And, and I said, well, look, don't worry about it. I'll send you the show and I'll send you everything, the description of the show, the image for the show. Because if you go to my website for each show, I have a supporting image. If you go like to one of the podcast hosting sites, you never see that. And they said, if you happen to, if you feel like taking your laptop, and if you feel like doing this, and you feel like posting it, wonderful. If you do not feel like doing anything till you come back home a week later, that is wonderful and certainly understandable. So I do not honestly know. Uh, so if this show posts when it's when it, it originally was scheduled before the loss of their family, then Sue was able to do that from Ireland, and she had the uh, the, the int- uh, she had the ab- not only the ability to do it, but the uh, desire to do it. And if it's not, then it'll be next week. It'll be the week after, or maybe so whatever. So just so you understand that. Like I say, I always like to have full disclosure with my audience. And uh, let me see what else I wanted to say to you. I should have checked the rain gauge before I came down here. Well, not the rain gauge, the the Davis Vantage View weather station, wireless weather station, to see what the total was in 2023 for rain. I know last week, just before Christmas, or the day after Christmas, it was... 59 i think 0.73 inches but we did get it out three or four inches i believe since then but maybe not we did definitely get good rain so uh, i'll have to check it and tell you what that is next week because we're all farmers we like to know about the weather and the rain it's very important to us and i the other i went to go um where did i go the other day well I went to go have breakfast, a second breakfast. My wife gets mad when I say that. She says, you're too fat, you don't need a second breakfast. So that's an old term. So you have breakfast at 5 o'clock in the morning, then you meet someone, you have a second breakfast, right? So I met an old friend of mine, Joe, 
and uh, we didn't see each other for about two years uh maybe three so i don't remember we covid really messed so many things up for so many people including me and i'm sure a lot of people are worse than that but anyway so it's a diner that we meet at then it's mine that what well, the diner is right outside flemington new jersey and anybody who was a uh a dirt track fan even if you were out in the midwest which is dirt track country i was never a dirt track fan no disrespect i was always a drag racer is that flemington motor speedway used to be there and that i guess there was a pretty famous dirt track in its day and it's no longer there maybe maybe 20 years now or more it's no longer there i can't it got so built up over there i can't even tell where it was to be quite honest with you there used to be a big john deere dealer there point nowski brothers that sometimes we would go to and i if if my life depended on it i couldn't tell you where anything used to be so uh so joe comes up and he meets uh, it's a, a little bit more than an hour for each of us so it's about hour and 10 minutes hour 15 minutes and well maybe let's say an hour not even that far so it's a good place for us to meet because it's a midpoint it's easy for him to get there and easy for me to get there but anyway uh, so on my way there i'm going through washington new jersey and uh, new jersey actually has a couple of washington townships which is very 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 confusing but uh they call this one little washington i don't know why but washington washington warren county is washington morris county is washington bergen county it is washington i think someplace in south south jersey but anyway that is still a fairly rural agricultural section if you get off the highway route 31 got built up but if you get a quarter of a mile off the highway it is not so the point that i'm getting at there's a back road there i like to take because it's pretty along the farms and it's a lot like it used to be well it's probably 90 percent of how it was when i was a kid and in today's world that's good enough for me <laughs> right so uh so i like to take that particular route and uh, there's some nice acreage uh operations there maybe six seven eight hundred acres a thousand acres if they i don't know uh where where actually the the break is in somebody's farm but anyway there's a nice uh john deere tractor there big uh eight it was it was it wasn't a big four-wheel drive uh i didn't pay attention to what model it was because i was more interested he had a disc hooked up to it and he had a park he was disking and uh or disking the day before or well, i don't know anyway but the part that excuse me that i don't understand and believe me i'm far from the best farmer in the world but i'm going to just break away for a second that when you would go when i worked for uh, when i worked for alan test products the oscilloscope manufacturer i was a young guy and you know you go to different dealerships different auto repair facilities that i to demonstrate equipment and and then again this is no disrespect that i'm not painting everyone with the same brush because that's not my style if you know me 
all right, you're not guilty by association. But anyway, but historically, because I like data, historically, you'd go into a shop or you'd go into a dealership or something and you'd have this. And that was just about the era when they were coming out with these huge, huge toolboxes. And I think Snap-on led the charge on that. And then Mac Tools followed and somebody else. I mean, the thing is like an apartment building. It must, God knows how much, even back then, it was probably twenty-five or $30,000 for the box or who knows. Anyway, and you see them, and, and the guy's got gorgeous, beautiful tools and uh, and everything. And like I said, I'm not painting everybody with the same brush because there are exceptions, but there was a very good possibility that the bigger, the more beautiful, the more expensive the guy's toolbox and his tools were, the, the less he was able to fix anything and specifically diagnose anything so if you were to see this big beautiful toolbox you say oh my god this guy's like uh forget he must be the greatest thing in the world so so anyway i've seen that and i've seen guys who have big beautiful toolboxes with all the best tools inside and they're wonderful mechanics wonderful technicians wonderful procedure wise wonderful diagnostic wise but they are the exception instead of the rule when i was in the business who knows now but anyway, why I'm making that association with seeing this John Deere I think uh, I, I should. I don't. I saw a couple of tractors, so I don't want to have give you the wrong information about this particular one. I saw a couple of nice John Deere units on my way to to the, to the diner. But anyway, the the important take home message here is that as a lay person, you would ride by you would see this big beautiful acreage beautiful beautiful ground beautiful farm big farm all right uh big beautiful tractor not brand new maybe 10 years old in excellent shape uh had a had a, a disc hooked up to it and the guy was disking the field and disking the corn stubble in now my contention like i said i'm not the best farmer in the world but if you were to see a Mickey Mouse operation like mine and see this, you'd say, oh my God, that I'm the guy with the craftsman toolbox. And I'm not saying that, that, that I'm, I don't, know, I don't know who farms this land, all right? But anyway, but I do know that we had like three or four inches of rain in the past four or five days. And uh, it was wet the week before that i would not ride on that field and i would not go with a disc i mean you will just compact that soil and you'll 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 compact it right below you'll make a, a hard pin in there with that disc and with that tractor i mean yeah the top will be fluffy i don't know if he was discing three four five six inches even if he's discing a foot right then you're going to make a hard pin under there <clears throat> with that i would not have gone in that field this time of year with the amount of moisture and dampness and rain we've had the past two weeks to chop up corn to cut up corn stalks you fluff it up on the top and all you do is compact underneath so that's the why i was making the analogy to the toolbox because if you were to see this you'd say oh my god this guy must be some some uh I'm not going to say well-known, some very professional farmer, and I do not believe that anybody who knows anything about soil structure would have done what he was doing literally the night before we got two inches of rain. And even if he has low CEC soil like I have, and it sinks down, and it's, forget about it. He And to my contention, he wrecked that field. He wrecked that farm. And he's going to have 
root growth problems. Some, come, he's going to have aeration problems, water absorbent problems. I would not have done that. So who knows? But maybe he knows something that I don't know, which is probably which may very well may be the case. So, uh, <clears throat> so that is that. And what I'm going to talk about today because I'm a little bit off kilter here, which is not unusual, is that um, my f- little Ford Fiesta has 240,000 miles. Let's say, t- let's round it to 240. It's not 250 yet. So just shy, we call it within spitting distance of a quarter of a million miles. And to me, that's not a lot of miles for a Ford. Uh, it's it's i've had more my escort had 458,000 or 442 442 when i parked it and i only parked it for rust i mean <laughs> mechanically it ran like the day i picked it up and uh so whatever i mean it's not and you know today it almost seems that today's engines today's vehicles either uh last a long time or they last a short time but whatever so and I think that you know anybody in the audience will say that will will not argue that the, the better part of a quarter of a million miles is a nice is 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 nice numbers on the odometer, and uh, and so for easy arithmetic we'll say a quarter of a million, and uh, even though it's not quite there yet, might blow up tomorrow, but uh, within the, up until this week, uh, in that quarter of a million miles, I had invested in repairs and when i say repairs i mean parts because i do the labor myself all right so i've re- invested in repairs in a quarter of a million miles 13 almost 17 dollars excuse me 17 dollars a few years ago my uh blower motor resistor for the for the, for the second fan speed went bye-bye so i had i had fan one I had didn't have two. I had three, and I had four. So that resistor was seventeen dollars, and I bought that from Ford. And that was probably three or four years ago, maybe. And I put that in. All right. Now, when I say repairs, I'm not talking about yes. To have I done brakes? I've done front brakes on it twice. So the next brake job would be the third brake job. Rear brakes, no, zero. Never had the drums off. Uh, tires, yes. Uh, put uh every five or six years i changed the battery never had the battery die on me uh i changed the coolant i obviously changed the oil uh went through through, i think two or three headlights meaning when i change one i change both uh wiper blades so i consider those wear items i consider those maintenance items i don't so that's not in the 17 dollars all right so uh so i put my so in some so when you look at a piece of farm equipment a vehicle you have to look at what you spent on maintenance what you spent on repairs so when something breaks or fails that's a repair when it's a so if the piston rings wear out well that's not really a repair that's to me that's a failure because that's not supposed to wear out yet right so that's basically so i don't want you to think that i never did anything to the car other than a blower motor resistor but there was nothing else ever broke on it or failed on it all right so tires wore out front brakes wore out the original calipers everything is good so anyway, so what have you so now 
Oh, I'm, I'm getting. I'm leading up to a story. So because as of this week, I no longer have seventeen dollars in the car. All right, I have three hundred sixty-seven dollars. So it was three hundred fifty dollars for what I had to fix this week, which failed. And then I have my seventeen dollars. So now I'm kind of disappointed because three. I got three hundred three hundred six. Three hundred sixty-seven dollars. That's right, three sixty-seven into, into the Fiesta in a quarter of a million miles. So, I I broke my record. All right, so then that's disappointing. But I'll explain to you, and that that is going that is the uh, the catalyst for today's show because what I am going to be discussing is check sums. And that's not checkbook, what the, you know, the, the balancing your checkbook. It's check sums in an engine management system or a computer system. And this particular point is an engine management system. All right, so now let me back up. And this is going to be of good value to you uh, because you can apply this logic to any piece of modern equipment or vehicle, not just uh, a Ford Fiesta. All right, and I always make that clear because I don't want somebody subliminally to say, oh, well, I don't know, my, my grain bin dryer. Well, grain bin dryer has, che- has checksums if it's computer controlled. So, what a lot of newer vehicles today uh, have this, stu- well, I, <laughs> this stupid wrench light. And it's a it's a it's an amber it's an amber light, not a red light, and people don't I'm saying I shouldn't say people don't recognize it. It may sound derogatory or the, the condescending. What needs to be recognized is the proper way for me to say it. When you have a vehicle or a piece of equipment and there is a warning light on the dashboard, by industry standard, an amber-colored warning light means that it is a warning. There is a potential problem. It's not a danger situation to you or to the piece of equipment, vehicle, engine, what have you. If the light is red, then that means it is a danger. So God forbid if you lose your brake hydraulic system and you step on the brakes and you have no brakes and the pedal goes to the floor, the brake warning light is red, all right? If you lose oil pressure, the brake, the, the oil pressure light is red. It's not amber. If the engine starts to overheat, the the uh, overheat light is red, all right? So, so keep that in mind. So familiarize yourself and your family and people who use you drive your vehicles or your equipment say that there's a, there's a dis- decided difference between an amber and a red light. So, so I, tell, I tell my wife, if you're going down the road and the red light comes on, pull over as soon as it is possible for you to be, be safe. All right, if, the amber, if an amber light comes on, well, try to get home with it because it should, in 99 chance out of 100, it will get you home. All right, so that's something that everybody needs to auto basic machinery automotive 101. So now, since well, every engine, every vehicle, and a lot of farm equipment have some sort of diagnostic protocols, and we'll, we'll, we'll since the Fiesta is a car, not a farm tractor, we'll reference that. And just keep in mind that a road vehicle has the highest level of protocols versus a piece of agricultural or construction equipment or a stationary engine. So a lot of vehicles today have this wrench light, 
laughing because I hate that stupid thing. It lights up like a wrench. And it also has an engine, a light that would be a check engine light. So GM calls it, GM actually started that term check engine. And then when OBD2 came about, the whole industry picked that up. All right, so my Ford has a picture of an engine that would light up amber. That would be check engine. And then it has this wrench light, which lights up amber. And the two of them work hand in hand. And if you have a Honda, you have a Toyota, you have a Chevy, you have a, a Jeep, and it has a wrench light or something like that, then this everything I'm telling you is valid. All right, if you have a John Deere tractor and it has something like that, because it's a tier four diesel, then that's valid also. You have to know your equipment. You can't just, just go through life oblivious. All right, so basically what happens is then my check engine lights or whatever you want to call it service engine soon ford calls it check engine light never i pride myself i tell people i don't get check engine lights okay that sounds cocky it's not meant to be it's not that i can't get a check engine light but i pride myself on taking such being so so good with my vehicles my equipment that i do not let a check engine light something degrade to the point where it evokes a check engine light all right which doesn't mean that it cannot happen tomorrow right so but i try to do everything i can like trying to take care of a plant or take care of an animal or take care of your health you do everything the best you can and if god forbid if you get sick you still get sick right but you could at least look in the mirror and say i did everything i could for this not to happen now the protocol is that years ago they used to say that there's soft codes and hard codes all right and the protocol that anybody who <laughs> i keep laughing a wrench light all right and, I, and the wrench light is what we would call years ago a soft coat so what basically happens and that's where i'm getting to checksums is the computer sees something but it, it did not see it long enough and or the problem is not gleaned by the ecu not by you as being as serious at this particular point so it gives you this amber wrench light and then if the problem continues and usually it's after so many restarts so many so many cycles or whatever or if the problem degrades further that it's going to give you a check engine light and then the vehicle or piece of equipment will respond accordingly to to the which light it decides to evoke so if it evokes the check engine light so if the if the wrench light comes on and, and and the condition stays there long enough to evoke the check engine light then the vehicle may go into a limping strategy or what have you all right so there are many things that will evoke this amber wrench light but the industry does not tell you that doesn't tell you on the owner level or usually for the aftermarket level on what is evoking the amber light now the first time i've had this wrench light evoke i'll tell you exactly when it was the car was only a couple of years old it was in 2016 and you can think how oh, this guy's nuts as hot rod farmer it was in Rantoul, illinois off of i-57 
I think there's, there's a big truck stop there. And right across the other side of the highway in Rantoul, there's some, some sort of aircraft museum or air, air, aviation museum, which I did not get a chance to see because I was going down to, to Sykeston, Missouri, and to a, a agricultural seminar that a friend of mine, Danny Stevens, was putting on, um, uh, sponsoring in Haytai, Missouri, over at the university there. So I was on my way, this is back in 2016 in the wintertime, I'm on my way, I stop in Rantoul, Illinois, to, and the, the wind was blowing like any, it was, it was, it was just a, it wasn't cold, so the, the fields were not frozen, and there was no cover crops or anything, and, and the wind was, it was, it must have been like a, a constant 30 or 40 mile an hour wind. It wasn't really, it was like you're standing in front of a fan. And then I get out to get gas for the Fiesta. This is back in 2016. And I get out to get gas for the Fiesta, fill it up with gas. You go on my way, get in the car, head down to Sykes. And I was staying at the uh, uh, the Drury Inn in Sykes. Those are actually very, very nice. I think in lots of ways they're nicer than Hampton Inns. But they're not as easy to find. So anyway, and I was going to go the next day to Hay Thai, which is probably about 20 minutes away from south of on I-57, next exit or two from Sykeston, Missouri. So maybe that's some uh, listeners are there. So what happens is they get in the car, the wind is blowing, the dust is blowing all over the place, right off the field. Everything is fine, beautiful. Uh, this is my first exposure with my wrench light. <laughs> Right. Other than my, other than the uh, checksum, which I didn't explain to you what that is yet. So then I went to the seminar. I'm coming back to the hotel. It's already dark. I'm talking to Charlotte on the phone. This is back in 2016. Car's only three years old. And then what happened is all of a sudden I'm riding, and bing, the wrench comes on, which I'd never had come on before. And then the radio display, which is in the dashboard, says engine malfunction something i forgot what the number it doesn't tell you to stop vehicle engine malfunction some some, some it, it kind of eludes to not that you like pull off the road in a bad neighborhood but it's something that needs attention so i said to shawl i said my light just the engine the wrench stupid wrench light came on which uh and the check engine light did not come on so i went back got got to the hotel the only thing that i perceived when that wrench light came on was that the engine idled about 100 RPM high. So when I came off the highway to get to the, the, the Drury Inn, which was right near the highway there, I stopped at a traffic light, and my car idles around 750 in um, in drive, and it was idling probably closer to 900, maybe 800, so I, didn't, so I noticed that it's not like it's pulling against you because it's a dual-clutch transmission, so I can't pull it against a converter anyway, but I did notice that it was idling. That was the only thing I perceived. It drove fine, and the wrench light is on. So I always, I have this little Mickey Mouse scanner, and even though I never have a problem, I keep it with me in the trunk, and it is Mickey Mouse, all right? And and that's the point that I'm bringing this all up with checksums as a method to my madness. So please just bear with me. And I'm in the hotel at night and uh, put it in, plug it into the uh, into the the well, OBD2 connect they call it now. It says no codes. So I said, geez, you know, well, I guess it didn't. I don't. It's not a check engine light. It's a wrench light. So 
the next morning, I, you know, so I don't know what I'm going to have, what I'm going to find. So the next morning, I want to start to head home from Sykeston. And I start the car, and the wrench light is off, goes off. The car drives fine. I go stop to buy gas. Maybe uh, it was just about getting light. I left there early in the morning. It was winter time. And I stopped to get buy gas. And my Fiesta has a capless fuel system, which a lot of vehicles have today. And I can't get the nozzle in. The door won't open up. The flap, I shouldn't say door, won't open up to get the nozzle in. Says, oh, my God, I got no gas. I'm like a 1,000 miles from home. What am I going to do here, right? I'm get this thing to, to, to a dealership. It's crazy. So uh, what happened was that vehicles that have capless fuel systems usually have a funnel that they provide with you, a special funnel. And uh, I knew that my car had it because I used it to, to put I used it to put tech running all the time. And so I said, let me get the funnel out. This is back in 2016, right? Let me get the funnel out. So I get the funnel out of the trunk. I kept it very easy. This is what the, they kept it. Ford had it mount. Every vehicle has it. Some, but they give it to you from the factory. It's mounted by the spare tire. It wasn't so I I have it in a plastic zip bag and I keep it in the corner of the trunk. So if I want to put tech run on, like I go dig out the spare tire to get it. I mean, it's a nice place to put it. I mean. But uh, you have to lift up the mat from the trunk. But I just have it so I can have it accessible because I always do tech run. So I take the funnel and I ram it in and out. And I count 25 times. I find when you do things that you really have to quantify, put a number to it. So if I'm shaking a can of paint, I shake, I count how many times I shake it because human nature being what is, you may only shake it 10 times and you think you shook it 100 times. So I go in and out with the funnel 25 times. So it would simulate 25 gas fills of the nozzle going in. Gas. Uh, so I take it out, I put the nozzle in for the pump, everything works beautifully. But ever since that had that dust storm, and the important part was that the fuel fill was right into the dust storm. If I would have pulled the other way, all right, then the fuel fill would not have been there. But who would have thought of that? You bought a gas, you're buying gas, right? So ever since I had that incident in Rantoul, Illinois, with the dust storm. It must have gotten some grit or something because there's two flaps, I I believe, inside that fuel filler neck. And it must have gotten some, some dirt in there. And one of the things that illuminates that wrench light, the dreaded wrench light, is when the system goes into a evaporative emissions test. So when you're riding down the road now, usually the evaporative emission test is evoked. There's a protocol, and each car is slightly differently, but usually it's around between three-quarters of a tank and a quarter of a tank, and you have to be driving a certain speed, highway speeds, for a certain amount of time for it to do in what they call an EVAP test. And what it basically does is that it closes off the solenoids and it measures how much in CFM that the evaporative system from the gas tank and charcoal canister and everything, if it's leaking. And I believe that the, I believe California is six CFM. I don't know what the federal is anymore. So anyway, so what happens is that it went down the road and it 
I did not confirm, because I had no way of confirming it, is that that it must have set an EVAP code because I had this, because the next morning I had a problem with the fuel door. All right, so now ever since that time, I would say maybe once a year, uh, I will still have a problem with that fuel, that that uh, that fuel fill flap, and I do the same thing. I subsequently spray silicone in there and or like WD forty every couple of months, and I work it in and out. But also, I would say maybe once a year since then, I've had a problem where I would get gas and it doesn't want to go in, or what happens is the pump keeps shutting off. And that's because the other door isn't opening far enough and that the, the pump is seeing, the, the gas pump is seeing the pressure and thinking the tank is full. And then I take my funnel and I ram it in there five or 10 times and usually everything is fine. And then, like I said, subsequently, every once in a while, maybe twice once or twice a year i'll be going i'll be driving in the protocol for an evap test and it'll flag that stupid wrench light and so it comes on and says to you that you know engine failure it doesn't say failure some something some some kind of verbiage that they use which is not comforting all right so anyway and uh then i would stop in a rest area because it's always on a highway trip i'd stop in the rest area i'd shut the key off i go outside get my funnel i'd run it back and forth a couple of times and then i would go about my hairy happy way and it may not do that same evap test failure for for nine months all right so i know that something must have happened to that door uh, or it's, I can't imagine it still has grit in it, but maybe it has some grit in the hinge. Who knows? Okay. So that basically is that. Now, what is a checksum? A checksum basically, well, let me, we'll make it to it, is when a computer sends out a signal to check itself and its sensors. Because remember, when you have a sensor on any system, I'm going to repeat it, grain dryer to combine and anything in between, it's an information gatherer the ecu is an information gatherer and any sensor takes a mechanical or physical state all right could be moisture in a grain bin a mechanical or physical state and converts it to an electronic electrical signal so that the ecu the control unit could understand it so when you get in your vehicle and I'm assuming that everybody has a 1996 or newer vehicle at this particular point. And if you don't, God bless you, you're probably better off. All right. So uh, that's wonderful. But so, and you turn the ignition key on, get in your vehicle or get in your tractor or what have you, your combine, and you power up the ignition, whether it's a key or whatever, we'll stick with a key for simplicity's sake. And you don't go into crank, you turn your key on, and then you will have. People call them idiot lights. They're actually in the in the industry called telltales, right? Because, but that was the the name years ago, idiot light. But that's probably derogatory. Say somebody will sue you. Oh, you're calling you an idiot. That's derogatory. Well, they call them telltales, right? And you'll have a bu <clears throat> a bunch of these telltales illuminate. And then if you don't go into crank, but if you do go into crank, if you leave the key in the on position, it'll go through all these telltales and it'll illuminate. And two things are happening. Number one, the most simplistic of it is a it's a bulb check. All right. So for you to say, and that's why you know, 
I, 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 <clears throat> I always beat you guys with this. You have to know your equipment, when, whether the equipment is a car or not. You know, and I try to, uh, you know, I'm not going to pick on my wife, but I'll use her as, a, as, as an innocent example. I said, well, honey, you know, you, you turn the key on and let the fuel pump prime. Are you supposed to turn the key on at the fuel pump prime? I said, you're supposed to, as a vehicle operator, look at all of those telltales. I call them idiot lights for her. All right. I mean, I don't mean I'm not, not derogatory towards them. Because telltale sounds too technical for her. I said, you're supposed to say to do all of these. So you're supposed to keep a mental picture and say, I'm supposed to have, you know, these bulbs light up. All right, and if that bulb doesn't light up, then you have to you have to say, hey, that the one bulb is burned out. There's a problem, and then so what will happen is that sort of first function of an idiot light, because I'm non politically correct, when you turn the key on, is to do a bulb and circuit check for that, because if you have, let's say, and and you you don't even have a new car, right, a new truck, you got an old one, right, and it's got an oil pressure light, and that bulb burns out. All right, because you didn't pay attention during your, your your bulb check phase of just turning the key on before you went into crank, then you could lose oil pressure and wipe that motor out. All right, because all the light never came on. The light never came on because the bulb burned out. So, all right, so that's the first one. That's from back in the 60s. All right, that's bulb check. All right, the next thing, but today, if you turn on a modern, turn the key on, on, not crank, on, all right, is that these lights are going to are going to illuminate, and depending upon what the light is, it's going to illuminate for a few seconds, and then it is going to go, and it's going to shut off. So, like on most applications today, if I like that word, applications, is that like on my Fiesta, use that for an example, it's going to illuminate the <laughs> the dreaded wrench light the check engine light, the oil pressure light, the uh, ABS light, uh, low tire pressure light, and probably something else, all right? And then it, and the fuel pump is a two-second a two prime, takes about two and a half seconds, and then a number of those lights go out. Those lights go out, but we did not turn the key further yet, all right? Not all of them, a number of them go out, and that is when the management system is doing a checksum. So, and what is a checksum? A management system, and each protocol is different. A management system goes and says, all righty, when we turn the key on, en- key on engine off, is that we should see this voltage here. We should see this voltage there. We should see this, 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 and this. And if it does, if it's happy with everything, like you doing a visual inspection on something, a checksum is an electronic inspection. It's not a visual, but it's akin to a visual inspection and says, okay, roll call. Here's it. Good, 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 good. And those lights go out. Now, I'm telling you this for, I'm telling you this for a reason, because what had happened and then the lights go out, then you go into start the engine and then other lights will go out so when you go so when you see those dashboard lights on any piece of equipment or vehicle go through that it's actually instituting a checksum so it's checking it's a bulb check for you and it's a checksum that all those circuits are up to snuff at that particular point 
and then you go into crank the engine starts and then the oil pressure light hopefully goes off right and the check engine light hopefully goes off but it needs to see the engine run for that so over the years now that you have this whole story i've seen this uh, uh, we'll say once a year twice a year i set this evap code and and it evokes the wrench light i shut the car off i go on my funnel and what have you have i ever confirmed that it's an evap code and i have to say to you no if i was in a court of law i'd say no i never confirmed it but i'm 99.9 percent sure it's an evap code because of the protocols that i evoked to, to have it no longer see it so you say that you might be saying well you have a scanner why don't you look at it and what kind of scanner do i have i said to you, it's mickey mouse all right because i am blessed with friends who have good equipment and there is no need for me or to spend four five six thousand dollars for a scanner for something that i'm never going to use or maybe use once or twice all right and hopefully never it's like a rescue tool like a rotary hoe hopefully your ground never crosses over and the rotary hoe sits in the shed all waxed up and looks beautiful and doesn't even have to paint one off the tines so what so what basically happened is that i get in my fiesta the other day and i go i go turn the key on because i always wait i always do two things when i start a vehicle i let my electric fuel pump prime the circuit that's gas or diesel if it's electric pump do my bulb check and let my check sum so it's actually three things but i'm taking the bulb check and the check sums together so what happens is didn't even go into crank yet that i go and i put the key on it goes through the bulb check it goes through the check sums but the this time the dreaded wrench light stays on and then within a second or two the dashboard thing that the, this radio display which is like a little monitor in the dashboard go bing it beeps and says engine whatever like i said i should have copied down what the what it said you know engine problem engine whatever you engine you know you got big basically it's saying you got big trouble buddies right now all right so if you if i didn't lose you yet that this thing has one prompt and that prompt is we eliminate the wrench light and we tell you that there's an engine failure or some kind of failure you need to get the you know uh like i said just it just stops shy of saying pull over all right and and the, the wrench light is amber so remember amber means it's a warning right so i said to myself this is not an evap code there's something else wrong because an evap code will never set with the key on engine off even though when i went to sykes then remember i said i was coming back from hey tight to the hotel it set that evap code for the first time and then the next morning i went to go start the car and the light the wrench was off and everything was gone so and i looked in my little scanner and i saw no codes so this is lesson number one that if your system has and i'm going to use the word soft code we used that years ago i don't think that's the proper term or so if it sees and if you have a wrench light or something akin to a wrench light all right and it doesn't put the check engine light on that means that you have a problem in that system someplace and it and it did not see the the problem long enough to evoke the check engine light 
So it would be like saying, hey, buddy, you got a warning. If you don't pay your electric bill next month, we're going to shut off your electric, all right? So the thing is that they didn't shut the electric off. So when they shut the electric off, the check engine light comes on. And a, a cheapo normal scanner will not read that part of the ECU. It will not read check some failures for the most part, all right? So you need to have a more professional, a better scanner to read that. So if you went to Harbor Freight and bought a $100 scanner and you have a wrench lighter akin to it on your Toyota and you plug it in, it's going to tell you nothing. No codes found, no codes found, all right? So this is a long, already 43 minutes into this. It's crazy. So what basically happened was that I said to myself that, well, this is something where this is not EVAP all right this is not evap I, I i did you know uh this is today i mean the other day i think it was a day after christmas and um and i said it's not evap so to make a long story short to try to condense this i said it's got to be some sort of check some failure and that is why i want you to understand this because based upon your vehicle i'm going to say the same thing over and over again i drill into yet combine or cadillac all right that if it has a check if it does check sums what the, when it's first power the ignition the ecu is first powered up it usually will not tell you what that failure is at the level that you could access maybe some will right but in most instances it will not tell you so what happened was that i i that I, I shut the key off. I waited a minute, turned the key back on. No, no checksums, no failures. All right, to get to the chase, my car, like everything the past 20 years or so, has drive by wire. And what that means is they took something so simplistic that, in, and as an aside, I'm going to break away in my whole career. I've never checked, <clears throat> I once, once changed. A throttle cable that goes from the gas pedal to the carburetor throttle body and that was because the engine had a bad motor mount and the guy whacked it to the floor and the engine kinked and it put a kink in the throttle cable so always bind other than that i never changed a throttle cable in my life never gone bad on me never had a problem with a throttle cable in my life drive by wire and and bmw was i believe bmw was the first one to bring this out years ago in their seven series means that you are opening the throttle plates whether well, there's no carburetor drive by wire all right you open the throttle plates slash plates all right with an electric motor so what we would affectionately call the gas pedal or the throttle all right is now identified as an app so that so it has a sensor there so it's the accelerator pedal position sensor app sensor so when you're stepping on the throttle is that they made it they designed it with enough spring tension so it feels like a throttle cable like a normal throttle but you're actually moving a sensor underneath the dashboard someplace on the throttle pedal on the gas book called the gas pedal all right and then that sensor sends a signal to tell the gas pedal uh to tell the ecu where how much you're stepping on the gas and then the ecu sends a signal out to the 
drive-by-wire motor, the throttle motor, and then it basically opens the throttle plates, and then on that throttle body or in that throttle body someplace is what's called a throttle position sensor, which we've had for years with a cable, and that is going to tell confirm that it's opening. Okay, let's get back to checksums. Because of the complexity of these systems, and it's not just a Ford Fiesta, it's everything today, all right? There's a lot of problems with that. I shouldn't say a lot of problems. I'll get back and say, never had a problem with a throttle cable, right? Is that they use four checksums. So inside, not just not just this is basically industry standard i don't there may be you may say oh well peugeot doesn't use that but we don't have peugeots here anymore so anyway but for in so i most of this stuff is pretty uniform since 1996 with obd2 so what happens is that the app right everything's an acronym today i'll call it the gas pedal sensor all right has two sensors in it and one goes because 99% of the computer logic on the management system is 0 to 5 volts, right? So it has one sensor in that gas pedal that goes from 0 to 5 volts when you step on it, right? The more you step on it, and there's this, in that same pe- pedal, that same unit, gas pedal, there's another sensor, this too, that goes from 5 to 0 volts, Okay? so you have you don't see the two sensors but that's why it's got six wires right so it goes from one goes from zero to five and five to zero and then in on the throttle body and if you have a you have a tier four diesel you got a new pickup truck tier four you got the same exact thing buddy all right the idea it's a diesel makes no difference right and then on the throttle body what happens in and usually part of the electric motor but it could be separate is that there is a throttle position sensor and where years ago the throttle position sensor went from zero to five volts it does the same thing that they have two throttle position sensors integrated into one unit you don't see not two of them all right you don't see that there's two and it goes from zero to five volts and five to zero so when you turn the key on and that wrench light or something akin to it in your vehicle however it's wired up all right is doing a check something it is doing a check sum on those four sensors so it's saying let's say arguably all right that the gas pedal sensor is saying that the gas that the gas pedal is released and it's at zero volts arguably all right then it says well if it's at zero volts then what happens is that my my other sensor inside the gas pedal should be at five volts because one is zero one is to five and then it says okay if that's the case and nobody's stepping on the throttle then my tps should be one should be zero one should be five so what it does is it checks these and that's called a checksum and if the checksum passes not just for that if the checksum passes then the wrench light goes off if the checksum doesn't pass then what would happen is that the wrench light would stay on before you went into crank it would go bing and tell you that there's a problem 
all right? So what happened is that's why I knew that that light was evoked by either EVAP system or the beginning of a code. It couldn't be an oxygen sensor code. It couldn't be a fuel system code because the engine didn't even start yet and when I shut it off. So I said, it must be a drive-by wire code. So now my Mickey Mouse scanner does not have the ability to read codes of that nature all right so i went to my friend's shop in town roy and he has a five or six thousand dollar snap-on scanner all right which uh which was a very nice scanner and i said to him look you know how to navigate it i don't know how to navigate so he comes out, i said bring the car over here so i plug it in and he says to me you have it's not a it's it's a code in memory so he didn't use the word check some code check engine light never came on 240,000 miles all right and the thing is that so what happened he says you have a you have a code in here for accelerate app accelerator position sensor <clears throat> you need a new accelerator or there's a problem with the wiring or whatever. it's always a caveat right so basically now there is supposed to be two codes one for throttle position sensor which would be in the drive-by-wire throttle body and one being in the accelerator pump accelerator accelerator pedal right sensor so i said to him you sure it's not tps he says no he showed me a scale that says accelerator pedal sensor okay another caveat is that keep in mind that when you're using an aftermarket scanner even though he has a good one and no disrespect to snap on or anybody or what have you, is that there is the ability to make a mistake because when they they try they're trying to do every car brand under the sun. All right. So they may say, well, we qualified this code and it may be a TPS. So I said to him, well, let's check it again. He says, well, it's accelerator pump. He says, All right, fine not accelerator pump accelerator pedal i'm still in my carbureted mind all right so then what happens i have a, a, a good friend of mine who's a good a, a good technician ford tech ford guy but he used to work in hackathon but he's about 60 miles away so i, I text him i said oh it's looking like it's an app uh i said i you know, I'm not 100% sure if it's an APP or not. He says, well, you're right. He says, could be TPS to snap on, could have flagged it wrong. I said, I know. That's why I'm asking here, <laughs> right? So he says, well, if it comes back again, he says, dump it out. The way you dump it out is disconnect the battery. So you dump it out. He says, it comes back again. He says, I could get together with you, and I could use the Ford scanner, which is built into a laptop. Okay. <clears throat> Every manufacturer whoever it is all right has proprietary data that the best scanner in the world cannot get okay so you need to keep that in your mind if you're chasing a problem with something is that and you know and that's one of the things with this right to repair all right but anyway so most people who have a, a expensive scanner all right use it to read codes and they don't do much more with it so in this particular instance, what you needed to do, what you the proper protocol would have been to go, and I don't believe that the snap-on scanner has this ability. If it does have this ability, I don't know how easy it is to access. I'm not privy to that scanner. I'm not intimate with that scanner. 
but historically most of these management systems are quite complex not historically they are and they usually have a freeze frame mode so if you had the ability to look at a freeze frame mode and access that for that PID loop proportional integral derivative debt feedback loop during that checksum test for all these acronyms you go nuts all right the fact of the matter it would be able to tell you in the that's how complicated those ECUs are and then somebody wants to have autonomy <laughs> forget about it all right one checksum goes crazy puts a tractor into the into the school bus full of kids all right so the thing basically is is that uh if you were to be able to access the freeze frame on that it would tell you okay that which check some failed so it so it would say to you uh accelerate a pedal zero to five for example five zero tps so the thing basically is at this point we don't know the snap-on scanner is telling me accelerate a pedal position sensor uh, I'm saying I don't know. All right, I'm not 100% sure. Of course, I know from my experience that could bite you because it could be reading it incorrectly or could have put those two codes together. And that's why lots of times when you go and have a failure like this, that the person keep changes the throttle body and the sensor and the accelerator pump. Oh, Mrs. Jones, you need a thousand dollars worth of stuff here. Your light is on. All right. Now, the thing is that another aside to it is that if you have one of these codes some your version of a wrench light i keep laughing i think it's so stupid and it's, it's not ford all right i'm not it's not Ford. It's just it's the government when everything the government gets involved something gets pardon my language as a christian man screwed up all right and the thing is that and you have drive-by-wire which you got drive-by-wire if you're anything you know past 20 years and this erodes to a point where it gets where the wrench light is no longer good enough right you may say i ignored this it's almost like ignoring a regen on the tier 4 diesel you press the button if you gotta ignore 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 and then all of a sudden you're stuck on the side of the field because it's doing a forced regen all right eventually this vehicle will lose throttle control all right uh the vehicle may start to race out of control but usually the pedal goes dead and it goes into a limping mode, and you may not be able to go more than 15 to 20 miles per hour. So I am telling you this because that is a safety, it's not only an inconvenience, that is a safety issue. All right, uh, Sue uh, and her husband who went to Ireland, right, they went to Ireland for the, sadly for the funeral, they have a Jaguar um, XJ8, I don't know what it is. It's a supercharged V8 Vanden Plasse all right and vic was paid and it's a nice car it's a beautiful car vic passed somebody and he jumped on it all right and he released the throttle the jaguar's version of the wrench i'm not laughing because it was a nightmare i'm not laughing. jaguar's version of the wrench light went on and they had to wait five hours for a tow truck thank god no one got hurt because the car wouldn't go more than 10 miles an hour on the highway so I want to tell you this because it's very, very important for you not to ignore this. Because at one particular point, if it's a drive-by wire code, either the the the, the drive-by wire, the throttle motor, it opens a throttle plate, 
or the accelerator pump sensor and there's a problem with that and you ignore it through so many cycles it is going to disable the car and that's what i was afraid of god forbid you got to take somebody to hospital i go and start the car and the thing won't go more than five miles an hour so it is not something to be to be ignored or forget about but keep in mind is that in that if that failure is just in the making right it's like a crop right didn't get any rain it's starting to turn the leaves a little bit right failure you make is that your scanner most likely is not going to see it so kurt says to me my friend well if it comes back on again what i'll do is i'll you know, you know whatever come on over i'll use give you the laptop all and we'll be able to do a freeze frame mode and see which one it is so i said well thank you very much that's very nice of you that's very very kind of you but kurt's wife has some medical issues i god god willing she's okay he now i mean he, he lives 50 miles away and i honestly do not know whether this problem is going to degrade to such a level where i cannot get the card and even if it was not i didn't want to bother him he's got his own problems his wife his wife his wife turned well god willing she's much better now it was potentially very serious he's working he's a family man jerk around with a 2013 fiesta with 250,000 miles on it so i said to him thank you very much kurt you know i may have to take you up on that so then what i did is that i would i would disconnect the battery erase the code and then what would happen is over the course of it could go 20 times fine and now it started to respond differently i was in town going to the post office and i went to go pull away from a red light and the throttle started to become very very dead all right, well, the engine didn't, didn't respond, and all of a sudden, it, it, I mean, it lurched. Not like a drag car. I mean, it lurched. It wasn't smooth. So the, uh, the you in my particular instance, all right, well, I only use factory parts. A, my cost, which I, I get the trade discount, they honor that because I used to be in a trade, and my cost for a Ford sensor, uh which is a whole gas pedal it was 350 dollars and change that's why i came to the 367 dollars that i now put into this car in a quarter of a million miles but so i said to i said to myself i don't like throwing parts at it i would have loved to been able to do a freeze frame and see that it was either the zero to five or five to zero on the accelerator pump sensor sensor i i had guarded yeah no disrespect to snap on all right uh i wasn't 100 percent sure because it could have been in the tps or you could have a situation where when you have an older vehicle older application a lot of use right that that it's failing the checksum this time for the for the accelerator pump sensor signal and it's failing the next restart for the tps in the throttle body so i didn't know this i don't like throwing parts and stuff but I felt that it was much more prudent for me to buy the accelerator pump, accelerator pump, accelerator pedal, to buy a new gas pedal with the sensor on it from Ford, all right? Put it in there, see how it is, if there's, if there's a, and not bother Kurt, because even though he would want no money for me, I'd have to pay him something. He, I'm not gonna have, I mean, you know, he's a wonderful friend. 
I'm, he's got a family situation here with his wife being ill. I'm not going to bother him, even if I have to put $10,000. I'm not going to bother the guy. I mean, if he was here in Hackettstown, and, you know, I'm not going to bother him, all right, for a 2013 Ford Fiesta. I mean, that's just not what life is about, all right? So I, so I said to myself, God willing that this is it. Roy Scanner said this. I said, Lord, God willing it's this, all right? If not, it's not the end of the world. But on a Fiesta, on a lot of you, not just a Fiesta, you got to buy the whole throttle body. You can't change on a lot of these vehicles just a sensor because it's integrated into the drive-by-wire motor. And then the drive-by-wire motor, you can't buy either. So it's the world. They and Kurt and I were discussing, you can't put brushes in an electric motor anymore. You can't fix anything. Everything is throwaway. So what... and. If you do run into a problem, and I don't care what brand vehicle you have because the sensors work all the same, they probably even look almost all the same inside, I'm going to take this one apart but and see what the wiper blade looks like inside, is that do yourself a favor. You know, I know nobody's rolling in money and you'd like to go and say, well, I got this one, you know, brand A is cheaper than brand B. Don't go to the auto parts store and buy a over-the-counter doorman or some other company, whatever, accelerator pump, accelerator pump, accelerator, I'm hearing it again, accelerator pump, gas pedal sensor, if that's what it'd be, or an over-the-counter, a guy once bought an A1 Cardone rebuilt throttle body, the vehicle took off. All right. The thing base is you don't want to play around with this. That's what I'm trying to say. Is that if you have an issue like this on any one of your vehicles, diesel, pickup truck, whatever, and you're able to either qualify which one it is or you can't qualify which one it is, then the thing is that buy the factory part. So I you know, so my part was $350 list price was four I think 424 which is expensive for a plastic pedal with a sensor in it all right and then I looked you know advanced auto wants 213 for the one some place wanted $89 I'm not trusting my car my life and and, and my life is fine it's the life of other people on the road were an animal for $89 throttle sensor so do yourself a favor by God's grace I bought the sensor it came in the next day. The car ran fine going to the dealer to pick it up. All right. I wanted to drive it because it's chilly out and I have to work on the dash and it's all plastic. I don't want the plastic to snap, so I wanted it to get hot underneath there. Coming home, it acted up three times. I came back to the farm. I uh it's very very simple to replace, as simple as anything under the dashboard could be. All right, it's uh two 13 millimeter nuts and a wiring harness the wiring harness was the hardest thing to get out and i would say it probably took me 15 or 20 minutes to get it all done all right maybe slightly longer so that's a long time it's not a long time but samuel was underneath the dashboard with me so i said what's that noise was so sam was coming to see what's happening so samuel said samuel see how you get that it was the hard it was harder to figure out how to get the plug out of the out of this out of the whole unit you know where, where, where you depressed it and the plastic is that's why you want it you don't want it when it's cold when it's cold and put it in there and thank god everything is fine so there's a couple of morals of the story here when you turn your key on on anything do your bulb check in your mind do your check some uh, 
check i'm using the word twice all right if you have something that's akin to a wrench light or your your vehicle your your application uses a check engine light or something else like that be familiar with those you don't have to go get a book be familiar with those protocols if it's something on a drive-by wire vehicle which which probably is is that most of the time if it's going to flag that during the check sum test <clears throat> it's usually in that circuit all right so keep that in mind so it's very nice for you to understand things because when you look at it it's not a mystery like mr richard hipper gm train didn't used to say it doesn't work on fm and the f was a word that i'm not going to use and the m was magic it doesn't work on magic all right so that you look at that and say you okay in your mind you say i passed my bulb check i got my tractor to go plow to well the plant we're not plow anymore uh, and pass the bulb check pass the check some test all right so so do that all right keep in mind that in most applications that if it's setting that pre i'll call it the pre-warning warning light for lack of better terms is that a traditional scanner will not be able to look at that you'd need a higher level scanner meaning a la more expensive to look at that and read that category until it sets a hard code right if there is a something like something like that and it's and it's unclear all right if you have that piece of diagnostic equipment or sadly the fact is that even if you brought it to a shop most guys do not know how to analyze a checksum failure and do a freeze frame on it all right so they'll probably throw parts at it all right so keep that in mind all right keep that in mind that if you have that failure it may seem like nothing because other than the 100 rpm higher on my car in that one instance with the throttle wasn't responding the car ran beautifully did nothing wrong so don't get yourself lulled into a situation where that is oh i could just ignore this right if you could if you could qualify oh it's an evap code all right then yes that's a that's that's fine you could ignore that but if it's anything with drive-by wire gasoline or diesel do not ignore that because most likely that vehicle that piece of equipment is going to be dead on the road or in the field someplace and god forbid it's your loved one it's your daughter it's your wife in there all right and she goes to the mall she comes out it's dark all right and this thing goes dead pedal won't go over fire she could be in, in risk and danger all right and the reason why i'm saying i mean yes a son could be also but i'm old school a son should have the ability to try to to to, to defend himself to the best he can he can't defend himself against three guys coming at you with a baseball bat but uh, and, you know a, a female i'm very very sensitive to that to the security of a of, of, of female it doesn't have to be my wife any female so you don't want that to happen don't ignore that and then the other thing basically is is to if that comes about and you have to replace that don't be price shopping and say well i could save 80 dollars on this you know and the same thing it looks the same and save 80 on this and save 80 dollars on this get the factory part all right the factory part you know either put in there yourself or whatever you whatever you choose to do but don't look to and if you're going to an independent facility with it then tell the guy look i want the ford part i want the toyota part i want the subaru part i don't want 
I don't want the aftermarket part. I want the factory part. Those sensors are too critical because that would that could put put a, a loved one, and 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 I'm and I'm going to say all right, fine. Let me take let me retract a little bit here. All right, it's your son. Okay, all right. So yeah, he's supposed to be able to, to protect himself. But if he decides to hit the gas to get through an intersection real quickly, and that throttle goes dumb on him, he's going to get kicked. So, so just even just don't ignore it. All right, just don't ignore it because it could lead it could lead to a to a real potential disaster for a stupid stupid drive-by wire system. All right, that they should have kept the throttle cable in it. All right, they could. It gives no intrinsic value to the consumer whatsoever. The reason why the car companies and BMW started this went to drive by wire is because they don't, it's easier for them to plug one wiring harness in building the vehicle instead of running a throttle cable through the firewall and routing a throttle cable. All right, and the other thing is that it costs them absolutely nothing to give you cruise control because you don't have to have a servo operating the throttle you don't have anything all right so the thing is that so they give you a a a cock and bull story oh well it's for noise and we don't want to have a hole in the fire well forget about it all right that's really not the deal is it's easier for them to assemble they build the tractor they build the vehicle they put one wiring harness in the other guy puts the stuff on dashboard click 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 he plugs it in away you go and now you have a potential for a major problem down the road i know my friend tony his wife has a grand prix it's an older grand prix got a ton of miles on it all right uh, it's got a ton of miles on it. it's got over two hundred thousand uh or maybe about two whatever it's got miles on it she went he went through three of these all right and it happened i mean and and uh so i said to tony he said every hundred thousand miles for jill just replace everything she doesn't want a new car so of course you're five six hundred you don't want your wife getting killed or getting raped someplace or stuck again to an accident of course all of a sudden lots it gives you no warning like a like a like a blood clot giving you a heart attack so I was blessed with the warning of the checksums, and that's why I'm explaining it to you, the checksum failure. But in Tony's instance, the way Jill's Grand Prix failed, and I had other people, Hyundai's, Toyota's, whatever, it didn't give you a warning. It just went pop, poop. All right, so I was blessed. The good Lord was with me, and that's why I said I've got to do this because I can't go someplace and get stuck with this car or have some sort of issue for a stupid drive-by-wire system, a stupid, a stupid wrench light. In this particular instance, the wrench light, the wrench light was much more serious than it eluded itself to be. But it was not serious at this point. It could have been serious five minutes from now. So listen, I want to thank you for. Uh, bearing with me on this it's very important it's important that you understand the difference that you recognize bulb check and check sums and you know and when you turn on your computer if you're a desktop computer it's doing the same thing yeah all right they call it booting up and this lights up and this happens and this does this and the screen comes on right and that's all checksums but it's very important for you to identify and now know. So I'm going to ask you to do is next time you get in your truck or your car, turn the key on. Don't go into crank. Turn the key on. Listen for your fuel pump prime because if it's gasoline or diesel, you'll have that two-second prime. 
do your mind your bulb check and wait for your checksums to be satisfied and the lights with the checksums will go out then go into crank and start it that you get used to seeing that and doing that will be your best diagnostic protocol and it'll be your most efficient and safe way to keep that vehicle or that piece of farm equipment working for you for many years so you have a blessed blessed new year and god willing i will catch you next week thank you for listening bye bye